0: We're going to continue our uh, Teach Us to Pray series. I am excited about this series uh, and what it's doing in my own life. I hope it's having, uh, going to have a transformative effect in your life as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and we are really focusing in on this idea of prayer as our first response instead of our last resort. Prayer as our first response instead of our last resort resort. This is important. This is a, a shift for me. And I was thinking about it and kind of praying through this message this week and my attitude on prayer, maybe your attitude on prayer. And I was thinking of the firehouse that's next door. I don't know why I would think about that because the alarms go off every you know, five seconds in my office. But um, we're thinking about those fire alarms and those, those fire guys. If I'm calling the firemen, I'm sure they're great guys over there. I'm sure they're nice. I'm sure they you know got lovely families. I only call them when I really need them. I don't, you know, hey, fire guys, you want to come over for dinner? I mean, that would be cool, but they're not a part of my active weekly regiment. They're not a part of my circle of friends. They're not a a people who, who I really just go to all the time. But I'm glad they're there when I need them, but they're not part of my life. And I think that's how we view God when we use him as our last resort. We only pray when something is on fire. And instead, how does this prayer start when Jesus says, Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father. If he wants to be referred to as our Father in this intimate way, what do you do with your dad? If you have a good relationship, hopefully you do. in the perfect relationship. You want him at family gatherings. You want him at dinner. You want him playing with the grandkids. You want him interacting with you. You want him playing catch with you. You want him showing you how to do something in the, wood, in the wood shop. You want him cutting down that tree with you. You want that. It's not a, oh, I better call dad when you know the house is on fire. That's not how it goes. He's your first response. Oh, I don't know how to do this. I've got to call dad. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to, you know, this is a situation I've never seen before. I want to call dad in that. It's our first response to be calling dad, Abba, Papa, God, the father, instead of our last resort. Does this make sense? This is how I want to kind of frame today. As I was thinking about it, not that calling a fireman is a bad thing. If you are in trouble and crying out to God, that is a good thing. This is not a bad thing, but that's not we should be working on that relationship in the first part. You know, I, I, I'm not uh, proclaiming that we should not be uh, calling on God when we find ourselves in trouble or saying that we shouldn't call the fire department in any way, shape, or form. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. The weather change is not being nice to me. We're going to delve into Daniel a little bit today. Daniel 6. And if you read Daniel this week, you're going to notice... That after chapter 6, Daniel gets kind of weird. Full disclosure, after chapter 6, Daniel gets very apocalyptic, is the fun churchy word for it. He gets end timesy. He gets uh, judgment stuff, and there's all these prophecies, and they get kind of weird. So if you read it on your own this week, feel free to email me questions about uh, any of Daniel. You're going to be like, this is not the little guy who played with lions, (laughs) <laughs> there's like a hand and blood on the wall, and it's weird, and I don't know what's going on. I understand that. I'm encouraging you to read the book because it's a wonderful book. Uh, just the, the back six chapters are a little different than the front six uh, chapters. You did not read the last six chapters in Sunday school. I promise you that, all right? Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> there's just things like when you, when you start reading the book's entirety, you're going, that was not on a flannel graph. Right, that was that was not there, and so we're uh, we're kind of. I want to prep you for that if you decide to read a little bit more about Daniel. But Daniel's a very interesting character. Uh, He is a a wise man. Um, He is uh, basically the golden boy of the Jewish uh, uh, faith uh, in captivity in Babylon. He is uh, the smartest of the smart. He is the best they have to offer. Which any time you have a smart guy in the room and everyone knows he's smarter than you, uh, he gets targeted, right? Like, I got to take him down. He's a threat. And this is what's going on in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel has this repetition. He has this behavior in which he prays first. He prays three times a day. He is dedicated to it. It is part of his routine. Everybody knows this about Daniel, and so the legislator, legislature of the empire gets together to single out, make a law against Daniel. They want him out. This would be like if in the 90s if they, they redid a, uh, a whole legislator to make Newt Gingrich not be able to be Speaker of the House. Okay? This is the, this is the, the, the jump that people are, are making. Like, we are going to make all these laws just to get this guy out of here. Because they know Daniel's going to pray. And so the guys, to sum up Daniel 6 for you, the the guys, the legislator gets together and say, hey, let's make it a law, king, that you are our God. And if anybody prays to a different God, they get uh, thrown into the lion's den. And as any, any egotistical despot will do, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Right? Not thinking that his best man, the brightest guy in his whole kingdom, the dude that he entrusts with more things than anyone else. He just let his ego get to his head and that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. And he he goes, okay, let's, let's sign this thing. The reaction of Daniel is priceless here. As soon as he hears this happens, what does he do? He goes home and prays. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that a decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. He is not swayed by anything, by threat of death. He's not, oh, I I can't do that anymore. I'll find a different prayer place. No, he doesn't. He doesn't go to the right or the left. He goes back to his prayer closet, which is not hidden. It's an upstairs room with the windows open. It's like he's just picking this fight, but that's where his prayer spot is. And I think it's so important that he is not swayed when this whole big thing comes. And he has to know he's a brilliant man. He knows that this is an attack directed right towards him. No, I pray first. This isn't going to be taken away. This isn't, I'm not going to change my behavior. I'm going to be praying first. He has a priority of prayer. And I think in our own lives and the way in which we respond to situations is we might hold prayer. And I'm speaking to myself here. Don't think, that I'm, oh, I'm so holy and I pray uh, all the time, and and, you know, Jared, if you spend more than five minutes with me, you know that's not true. But I'm just being real with you. I'm trying my best. This past week, uh, I've really tried to put these practices in in order, and it's been a wonderful prayer experience, uh, starting my day off with prayer. And what's been really neat, and I'll I'll challenge you to do this, we started getting the newspaper here at the church. It was a little of an issue to try to get it, but it it worked. Um, They didn't like delivering to the church. I don't know if they couldn't find it, We've moved a lot in the last 50 years, right? Uh, but we 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 got the newspaper here, and um, now the Herald is not the most you know heavy of uh, of reading instruments, but but it's very important in this in this way. Is I started my day off with prayer and praying for the church and praying for a message and what God's doing here, but then I started reading the newspaper and praying the headlines. Now, some of them about the Shanahan Cornstalk Festival is not really important that much to me, uh, but when they were talking about uh, Friday, there was these girls who were doing a vigil for uh, domestic violence things. Well, that's something I can really get behind and pray for here, right? And th- and there's just other things like that that you see these moments where people are broken and people are hurting, people uh, in our own community. I can pray the headlines and for those people. I want to challenge you maybe to do that. Um, it can be national news, it can be world news, it can be local news. I really wanted to get a heart, because I'm not from around here, I wanted to start opening my heart to this community here. And so I'm praying through the headlines. And you might want to oh, try, it, try that. It's really a, an interesting uh, experience. It opens your eyes to these people in a, a different way, where you might just write them off. Well, that guy was stupid, and this is dumb and they deserve to go to jail. Uh, But but let's pray for them. What's the life circumstances? God, let let me see them as you see them. How do I love them? Is even there a ministry opportunity to that person? Is this something, and I'm praying for our church, is this somewhere that we can put our body of believers behind? I want you, God, I want you to highlight this for me. If this is, you know, draw a neon sign to it. This is where you want us to be, God. So that's kind of uh, how I do that, and maybe it's a challenge for you as well, <clears throat> for someone who's looking a lo- for something a little different in your prayer life. It's a priority of prayer. We do this as well. Uh, sometimes we call. I have nothing against doctors. I have nothing against uh, counselors. I have nothing against chiropractors and anything like that. I have, but we call them first, and then if they didn't take care of the problem, then we go to prayer. We're all guilty of this, right? What does it look like if we sh- just start that with prayer? It's a simple shift. But in Georgia, my doctor—I uh, worshipped and served alongside him. That was—it was so much fun. The only man I've ever met that's more hyperactive than I am. I getting an amen from Jimmy. He knows him. He is woo. Okay. And you kind of got grabbed by the shoulders. Here's a question I have for you, sir. Okay, all right, go. Um, and so, but he was a wonderful man. It was wonderful serving alongside the man I knew was taking responsibility for my health care. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So, that's, that's, I love that part of me. My chiropractor, he w- he w- we would pray and he would uh, pour out his heart, and I would uh, talk to him. During our uh, adjustment sessions, it got me free adjustments by the way, it was awesome uh, but there you go um, but that 's what we do and it 's always good to pray with someone before they put their hands around your neck and twist i 'm just thinking <laughs> thinking this is good practice, thinking this is good practice but it was it was you know it, that was. First, And I really didn't even think that was starting to happen until I was working on this message. I hadn't, that wasn't a conscious thought. I wasn't only just trying to get in line with Christian doctors or Christian chiropractors or Christian counselors. I, it was just something that God blessed me with. But as I was thinking about this, wow, that changed the way in which I looked at the health care and the things I was doing because I had prayed First, My counselor that I went to, we spent time in prayer before we got into the issues. That changes the way in which you approach stuff. What does it look like if you pray for God's discernment before you ask for a man's discernment or woman's? Just let that sit for a second. It's a priority. It's more important. Yeah, those guys have doctorates and they have letters behind their names and all those stuff. But I'm praying to God, the creator and author and perfecter of life. His degrees are more impressive. Another priority of prayer is when we start our day, when we give God our best time. And I am a night person. Kelly is a morning person. This has caused its own issues in our marriages and you guys understand that. But when you have a night person or a day person or you have like a Jimmy or Kevin who's like a midnight person, which is a different kind of realm, uh, of when their best thoughts are, when your highest creativity is, when when your most productivity is. I want to channel time out there for God. That my priority... There is. Yeah, I know that 10 o'clock to 10 30 in the morning is actually I can get three hours of work done in a half an hour. I also know that about six o'clock to seven o'clock at night I can do the same thing. So these are times which I want to dedicate and let's get stuff done, but it's also when my brain is open enough to see all that God has for me. I want to make I want to give him the best of my day. Not the worst. And if I'm honest with you and honest with myself, I often give him like the leftovers of my day. What happens if we give him a priority of our time? What does that look like? I think if we give him the best of our day, he will bless the rest. If we give him the best, he's created us, he knows us. He's going, he is giving us a tithe of the best, the first fruits of how I've created him. I I will bless the rest of that. I think he does that with our money as well. We give him the first fruits, the best of our money. He blesses the rest because he knows we have our priorities in line. We're trusting him with it instead of ourselves. If I pray only when I have time or the the extra times, what I'm saying is, God, I had to get all this other stuff done. And now I can fit you into the schedule. That's not giving him priority. That's not giving him the best of me. It's a place of priority. Second thing that Daniel teaches us is he has a place of prayer. He goes up into his upper room with the windows open and starts to pray. Now, he's getting comfortable. It doesn't say how long he was there. But if you're in the middle of Iraq, is basically where this was at, you want to be in a higher place with the windows open so the wind can blow through your, your house. So I don't know. These aren't sentence prayers. This isn't two minutes of prayer. This is, I'm going to be here for a while. We're going to pray. Okay. So um, think about it that way. It's a little different than, than how we, we think about it. I have a couple places where I love to pray. One is this park bench. It's, there's an actual metal swing. It's really cold when the weather changes. But there's a metal swing over here right in front of the river. I love that place. I took a picture of it one day when I was uh, sermon uh, prepping over there, and put it on Facebook. And Pastor Eric was like, "I know that place. That's where I love to pray too." I just thought it was it was neat that that was the it's like an anointed spot on the river over there. But it was good. Um, I love to pray in here. If you ever walk in the church and I'm praying in here, um, I'm not having a dance party. I just the I see how loud the speakers can get when I'm praying in here. Um, and we just rock, I would just rock it out by myself. No one else is in here. It doesn't need to be that loud. I know this. But then I can't hear myself sing, and it's better. So I'm, I'm walking around, I'm praying. I might be, uh, you know, I, who knows how I'm going to be praying in this room, but I'd love to be praying in here. It's a special place of prayer for me. Now I get a whole building to do that with. You, you, you have your house, you have. Maybe it's a restaurant, maybe it's a booth. Maybe it's that special spot. I know people who actually have changed part of their walk-in closets to be actual prayer closets. Be careful, women, you're not praying to your shoes, you're praying to God. But If that's what you need to do, then then do it, but have a specific place of prayer, a place where, um, (laughs) this is important because when we find our place, I like to be in here because there's not much that can distract me. I'll leave my cell phone in my office. I'll, I'll, over there, I can't get cell reception. I don't know. I can't. I can't right over there. There's, it's a vacuum hole. I can't be bothered there. You can't get to me unless you want to be on a kayak, right? But I, I disconnect myself so I can connect further into the love <laughs> Of God, And that is what I'm trying to do and what you guys can do on, on different ways. Maybe you travel a lot like Perry and you can pray in your truck. Uh, he's driving around, pray then, pray wherever that looks like. But when you have your your distractions cut away, do it. I used to when I swam all the time, I would pray a lot when I was swimming. There was nothing else to do and my head was underwater. <laughs> Couldn't talk to anybody, it was good, so I'd talk to God. That's, that's what I did. Maybe maybe mowing the grass. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, oh, praying when I was mowing the grass. I haven't mowed the grass lately, but that's okay. Doing it because you can't, you can't really do anything else, but it, it, that, that kind of zones you out, and you can just connect in with God. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I bet I'm willing to wager something. I don't gamble, but I would on this, that when your cell phone's ringing and the TV's on and the kids are screaming at you, is not the best place for you to slow down, calm down, and connect with God Almighty. Jared, Jared, do those places exist where that doesn't happen? Uh, it, it takes a priority to find those places. Jesus does this. He, example, he shows us an example of this too. He says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, James got up, left the house, and went up to a solitary place where he prayed. <clears throat> Did I say G- James? Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Sorry. Number three, have a plan of prayer. Have a plan. Now, I'm not saying have your row three memorized prayers to pray, but have a plan of action. Out underneath the TV, next to all the, the fruit uh, for pastor appreciation, which was very lovely, thank you. Um, but next to that are these pamphlets that say, um, pray first. And in those uh, packets, they have about, I think, eight different ways of prayer. All kinds of different stuff that you may have never even seen before. It's pray first. These are different ways to pray. I like to change up the way in which I pray. I have to. Uh, My personality will get in a rut, and I'll just do, 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 do that, and it becomes a to-do list item instead of an experience with God. And so I have to change that up on a regular basis. Um, So there's all kinds of things. Please, uh, if you need those today, uh, get them under the TV, uh, TV out here. We'd love for you to take that. And if we run out of them, we will print more off for next week. Uh, that is not an inconvenience. okay? Also, if you come to Grow 201, we go through a bunch of those things uh, in the growth track uh, here on Wednesday night. So that is part of what the essentials of that is. Um, how do we pray? How do we uh, read, delve into the scripture? How do we do these things? But have a plan. Don't just aimlessly go, well, I'm going to pray. Am I done yet? Um, not, don't let the plan dictate everything that happens in your prayer life, but it's a good starting point, a, a blueprint, or almost like footers for something that you're building. It doesn't have to be the whole building, but let, give it some stationary, stabilizing points. Uh, and we talked a lot about that last week. So if you missed last Sunday, we gave you a whole plan of prayer to go through the Lord's Prayer In Luke 11, 1 through 2, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, see, he's got his place there, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And then he goes through the Lord's Prayer. Final way in which we can enter into this prayer lifestyle is by examining the persons of prayer, the persons, the personhood of God, the personhood of the Godhead. Now, it's a very confusing subject to have Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. We have three gods. No, we have one God with three persons. It's a very confusing. Uh, ancient monks called the Mysterium Tremendum. I'm probably butchering the Latin, but it means tremendous mystery. We know what it is. We have no idea how it got that way, (laughs) okay? So uh, that's how people who study it, at the end of the day, it's like it's still a mystery of how this works. But what happens is you have God, and he is interacting with people in three personhoods, in three distinct different ways. Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. We pray differently when regarding these different personhoods of God. You're not praying to a different, separate God, just a different personality type of God. The first is, you pray the amazing grace of Jesus. Uh, sorry, let me back up for one second. This is encapsulated in 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Paul. He's not talking about three different gods. He is examining the three personhoods of God, of the Godhead. May the grace of Lord Jesus, may the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The message says it this way. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. What a wonderful blessing to be giving off. But this is how we want to examine who God is and their different roles in in the persons. The amazing grace of Jesus. It is by his grace that we are connected with God. Jesus acts as the connector of us two. We have been split. We have sin has come and divided us from God. And what Jesus does is he bridges that gap so now we can have connection. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying in that connection. The only reason we can get to the Father is because of Jesus' connection factor. Does this this make sense? So when you pray like in Jesus' name, Lord, we kind of just throw that out there. We just wrote and we never think about why, but we are saying in Jesus' name because we need to be connected with God. And so if we're praying for grace, we're praying for God to connect us, for Jesus to connect us to God the Father, we are praying that through Jesus. Second person of prayer is the extravagant love of the Father. Now, some of us have daddy issues. It's going to be real. Some of us have not had the perfect fathers at home. Some of us, when we think of dad, we go, (laughs) Some of the dads looked at their sons. That was funny. Um, Some of us don't have the best experiences. And so we don't want to think about God as father. We want to think about him as maybe Lord or a savior or his friend. But we don't want to think about father. We need to experience God as Father, because that's his favorite way to be addressed. We're missing out on on, on the love, the extravagant love of God and all that can have for us when we don't approach him in this way. Ephesians 3.14 says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I kneel before the Father. Now, that's weird in our American context. But in a Jewish context, what would happen when you came before your father, maybe after being gone for a trip or whatnot, as a sign of respect, you'd enter the room that he was sitting. So just imagine your dad and his lazy boy, right? And you walk up. He would turn off the game. There wasn't a game in first century A.D., by the way. But that's <laughs> turn off the Colosseum. Uh, so he walks, walks up, and you kneel in front of him. And as welcome you into the home, he would place his hands on your head. On, yeah, his hands on your head and bless you. And say, I'm so glad you're home, son. I love you. I've missed you. You're a wonderful father. You're a wonderful kid. You're a wonderful blah, 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 blah. May the work of your hands be fruitful. May you, may, may you do good things. You know, just bless you as you entered in that room. And so this is the image that Paul is, is conjuring in Ephesians that as he comes and kneels, I kneel before the father to be blessed by this extravagant love of daddy. Does this make sense? And not that beautiful way of, of, of thinking when you come in and praying to God. Now we get there through Jesus. We're only allowed in that room because of the grace of Jesus. Okay. That's how they connect. So, uh, For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Let's let's talk a little bit more about this. David writes about this father kind of love in Psalms 103. The Lord is compassionate. If you want to know who this father is, and and maybe you need to reconstruct what this looks like in your own life, this psalm can help you with that. The Lord, the Father, is compassionate and gracious. Gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Amen. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. So what we deserve, he doesn't always do that. Man, is that beautiful. Or repay us according to our iniquities. It's not an eye for an eye thing. It's not an equal thing. It's always unequal. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. They're gone. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassions on those who fear him. Let's talk about fear for a second. Bowen and Kendall fear me. They respect me. There is the fact of they will be, I remember so clearly, having twins that speak their own language at two is, is very unique. So Dobby, 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 Dobby. Dobby was the word. And dirt, Dobby, 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 dirt. And they, would, they knew it, and they would laugh. They would just, ha ah, and you're like, what's going on? We're getting an example of teenagerness here already at two. And they would sit there and, Dobby, 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 Dirt, Dirt, Dirt. And Ken, Kelly, and just yell at Kelly, my wife, Dobby, Dobby, Dobby. What in the world are you talking about? Bowen was the worst. He'd get so obstinate. I don't know how my son would run his mouth. I don't understand how that works. And one day, he didn't hear me come home. And he is throwing full-on two-year-old Dobby, 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 right? And I just I walk up the stairs, I heard it happening, and I just poke my head around. <laughs> like Kelly is standing two feet from me, just having a hit, and uh, I just poke my head around. <laughs> it is a fear. It's a healthy fear. It's a respect. It's because he knows he doesn't want to get on my bad side. But he knows he doesn't want my judgment. He knows he wants my approval. I don't want us to think of fear like we need to be scared of an abusive parent. That is not the fear that we're conjuring here. But it is a fear of daddy's home after I did something wrong. It is a fear of I don't want to let him down. I don't want to disrespect my father's name. We've all had that talk, right guys? You're a houser. And Housers don't act like that. You're a blank, and they don't act like that. Oh, man, I'm really disappointed. Oh, that disappointed dog. You get that? You don't want to, that's the fear of that. I want to bring glory to my father's name, not disappointment, not disrespect. But this is the dad that we get to, to kneel before who wants to bless us. Third way is the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Now, this, is, this is good stuff right here. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. When we are praying for help, when we're praying for day-to-day help, we're really praying for the Holy Spirit to guide us and, and help us. The Holy Spirit is the one who goes with us, the advocate, the helper. That's his job description. This whole third part of the Godhead, his job description is to help us do life. And when we do not pray for that, we do not tap into that. Sometimes because we don't understand the Holy Spirit, and it gets a little, "Ooh, I don't know." We never pray for the Holy Spirit to to help us in our life. That we don't tap into God, who is designed to be the helper, the advocate for us. We need to change that about the way in which we we do life and do our relationship with God. Jeremiah, or John 14, 16 to 17 says, and I will ask the father and he will give you, this is Jesus talking, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives in you and will be in you. As we pray, as we put this stuff into practice, we need to Thank, God for, thank Jesus for connecting us to God and, and paying the price that we can have communion with him. Pray to God for all the, all the desires of our heart and the, and the needs, and the things that we need to happen, just as we crawl up in our daddy's lap to say, fix it, daddy. We pray for the Holy Spirit to help us in our conversations, to guide our tongue, to guide our actions, that we would be equipped and effective Christians in the workplace and in our family and be all who he's called us to be. When we place prayer as a priority, things start to change. I'm excited about what it could mean for our church if we together reshape and and re-look at prayer and examine it at this time. What does it look like if prayer becomes a priority for all of us? What does it look like? What does it mean for us as a community of believers? When prayer becomes the main thing, not an added-on thing, that's my challenge for you, that we think about praying first, not as a last resort. Ben, come on up. God, we ask you to bless us. We ask you to guide us in this moment. Holy Spirit, we need your prodding. We need your push. We need your tender care as we try to delve into a relationship with you that's better. God, I know that we don't want to become legalistic about this. We don't want <clears throat> to have a to-do list of, of, of talking to you, but we, we want to make you a priority. We want to put you first. God, I know there's going to be things that come in our way this week, at this time. As soon as we kneel to pray, as soon as we close our eyes to pray, as soon as we put our hands together, the cell phone will ring, the kid will cry, the the boss will call. God, I ask you to protect us from these things. I ask you to help us build this habit. We know that that Satan does not want this. We know that Satan will do anything in his power to, to distract us and keep us away from tapping into the God who loves us and cares for us and has a beautiful and amazing plan for us. God, we need you. We need you more than we know. And Lord, right now, I repent of being selfish and and prideful of thinking I can do this by myself. But God, I know I need you in the way I father. I need you in the way I'm a husband. I need you in the way I'm a pastor. I know these people in this room right now need you in their marriage. They need you in their parenting. They need you at work. Lord, I ask you to be present to us, to be our help, to be our advocate. Lord, I thank you that you're a God that I can actually talk to, that you care about me. Although I'm unworthy, although I'm a messy, nasty, (laughs) sinful being, you care about me is your creation. God, I'm so honored by you. I'm so loved by you. We love you, Lord. We're trying to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.